we're talking about behind the scenes um, at church at the moment in our series. And who's, who's really been enjoying it, hey? There's been some really great weeks and some great preachers all across our Sydney locations. And um, I'm really excited tonight. Ben and I get to share a little bit on it. I'm going to kind of take part one and he's going to, um, you know, finish on part two. Just goes all, it's all uphill from here. Um, but you know what? This week we're talking about conviction and having a conviction and through trial how we uh, find conviction in life and how we f- and, you know, it can strengthen our beliefs and strengthen our relationship with God if we choose to let it. But um, I want to open today by saying that um, behind the scenes, right, is the series we're in. And I believe that God is always working behind the scenes in our life, that what we necessarily see in front of us isn't always the true reality of what is actually going on in our lives. You know, who, um, who doesn't like it when people go behind your back? Isn't that just the worst thing ever? Or you think it might be. When I say go behind your back, the first thing you think is like, has someone said something about me? Or has someone made a decision without me? Or am I misunderstood? What's going on? But you know what? Sometimes people going behind your back can actually be a really amazing thing. You know, when Ben proposed to me, oh gosh, it was, it was what, two years ago now, um, you know what, he actually went behind my back for a whole year. He, um, he bought the ring like a year out from proposing and he went behind my back the whole time, had no idea. I think, I have a theory it took him like a year to decide whether he was actually wanting to go ahead with it maybe. But, um, <laughs> but I remember the day he proposed, I was sitting a uni exam and I had no idea that I, um, he was about to propose that day because as girls would understand, my nails were not done. My hair was up in a ponytail, I had no makeup on, and I was wearing like this old grey sweater. And um, any girl that's expecting a proposal would not wear that. So um, I, I had no idea. He picked me up, took me to uni, and um, I remember after the uni exam, he was like, so like, we need to go, we need to go, I'm going to take you out for lunch to celebrate finishing uni. And I was like, no, I want to go to the library, I need to return my books, and I want, a, I want a photo in front of the Great Hall and, you know, I'm hungry, I need to go get a coffee. And I remember he was just speeding like the whole way to this lunch. And I was like, what's going on? And then eventually I put two and two together because we were on a, like he put us on a boat and there was um, roses and champagne and all of that. And um, after saying yes, my next question, my next thing that I said to him was, can I call my mum? He's actually here tonight, huh? And, um, and he goes, no. <laughs> he goes, no, don't call your mum because your mum's waiting for you at a cafe nearby. And so we went and it was, it was an amazing time. But you know what? One of the greatest days of my life was something that I had no idea was happening. Something that was completely planned behind my back. And um, I believe that God is always planning things behind our back. He is working behind our back. And it's not to, not to harm us, not to confuse us but it's actually to bring the best out of us and to make our lives, lives to the full. God often does more work behind our back than he does in front of our face. Is that true? (laughs) It says in Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So often our ways, you know, might seem like really good ways. I think I could plan really good ways. But you know what? God actually has higher ways. His ways are higher than our ways. It's funny, when trial comes our way, we can often have really big doubts or questions. And because we don't fully understand what's going on, maybe it came out of nowhere, maybe it wasn't our fault, maybe we, it was something that was put upon us. You know, things like um, 
bad health or, you know, loss of loved ones or bad relationships, all these things are sometimes out of our control. And we can often wonder, why is this going in my life? What has happened behind the scenes that I don't know about? And we can turn to two things. We can turn to fear, which is often the first one and often the most easiest one and often the one I probably turn to most naturally. And you know, when you say, why God? You know, what, why this? Why has this happened? I don't understand. Or you can turn to faith and say, God, I know that you're working behind the scenes in this. I know that there's a bigger picture that I don't understand and I don't quite see and I can't quite understand right now, but I know that you're working all things together for my good. You know, um, there's this beautiful picture that I've seen um, spoken about before is, you know, like the back of a tapestry or like, a, like if anyone's done like cross-stitching or whatever it is. Um, yep, partly, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, the back of it often looks so messy. It looks like there's cords just hanging everywhere and everything's overlapped and tied off and cut. And it's all these like strands of weird colors. And you're like, what is that? And then you flip it around and you see the beautiful picture that's actually on the front. And so often in our life, we're in situations where we might not have the full bird's eye view of God, that front picture. But we actually, so all we see is these cords and these threads and these knots and these, all these tattered bits. And we go, what is going on? How is this going to work in my good? But you know what? When we actually flip the picture and see our life, how God sees it, it's actually all coming together in a really beautiful masterpiece that we could not understand and could not believe. There is always a bigger picture to what we can see. You know, every good story has a complication. That is like the, the prerequisite for any blockbuster movie. It needs to have a good complication. It's the first thing you learn when you learn like narrative writing in year one or year two. You know the plot and you've got to have a complication. Imagine if the movies we watch, the movies we go and pay money to see, never had a complication. They never went, you know, they always went according to plan. That is like, uh, spoiler alert, it's like Ocean's 8. Who's seen that movie? And you're like, <laughs> you watch the whole thing and they just pull it off. They pull off this whole big, like, million-dollar robbery. Don't get caught. I'm really sorry if you haven't seen it. You, there's no point you seeing it now, is there? <laughs> I know you were wanting to, Dylan. Um, but, you know, they just pull it all off. And then there's, like, little hiccups here and there, but they just have an answer or they've thought of it before and so they've fixed it. And the whole thing just, like, goes so seamlessly. And you're like, oh, that was, that was a bit boring, a bit disappointing. You know, but imagine also if you went to the movies and um, everything just defeated them. You know, like the really bad guy comes and like Superman just dies or something. Or like, you know, there's a really amazing love story and there's like a test and they break up and they just, they just stay broken up. Imagine if that was the movie. Imagine if every trial that came their way just squashed them and defeated them. But you know what? Every amazing movie, every blockbuster, there's a trial or something in it that really heats up the story, something that really brings out the best in the character, something that fires them up. You know, great, um, great breakups end in like true romance or true love or a betrayal ends in like a really good revenge, not that we encourage that here, you know, or <laughs> a financial crisis or a rejection or something like that causes somebody to go outside their means and do something that they never would have done before. And you know what? I think God uses trials in our lives to actually do that in us, to put a fire in us, to put a conviction in us that is stronger than what we've ever had before and is something that wouldn't have come if everything was just smooth sailing. It gives us the drive to push on and to press forward more than we ever could have before. You know, trials come in various forms, and Ben's going to talk about this in a minute. 
Sometimes they're short-term. Sometimes the trial's just like a bad day at work. And you're like, man, I've just got to either cope with this or like run to the bathroom and cry, either one. Um, but you know what? Sometimes a trial's a short-term thing where you just got to, you know, maybe hold it together, lift your head up high and push on through. But sometimes trials can be long-term. And I know Ben's going to share about this in a moment. But sometimes there's things in our life that we're actually just going to have to really walk through. But I love that verse. It says, though you walk through the sh- shadow of the valley of death. It actually says you walk through it. It doesn't say bring your camping gear, like build a house there, stay there forever, you know, just dwell on it. It actually says you, you walk through it. And that's what God's intention is for us in our trials, to actually walk on through. You know, when we're presented with the trials, we have two options, two things that we can allow. We can allow them to defeat us, to flatten us, to get us down. And so often we can allow them to actually define who we are. Um, I, we see this all the time in our lives or in others' lives with their childhood. Who's ever heard of that? I had a bad childhood or my parents didn't raise me well, so this is why I am why I am. You know what? There's some, sometimes there's actually a bit of truth to that. But we have the opportunity to not be defined by what has happened to us. You know, or f- financial problems, financial pressures can so often just put us in a box of, I'm never going to be able to afford that. I'm never going to be able to purchase a home. I'm never going to be able to get out of debt. All these things can define who we are, relationships or health. I'm never going to be well enough to do that. I'm never going to be fit enough to do this. I'm never going to have the energy to pull that off. All these little things that can creep into our life can actually start to define who we are. But you know what? God wants to use our trials to refine who we are. He wants to refine us, to purify us, to solidify what is in us and to birth a greater conviction that we could not have had before if we had not walked through what we have to walk through. So will we let our trials define us or will we let our trials refine us if we pull on God's strength and go to Him with them? The choice is ours. It says in James 1, 2 to 4, and I love this verse. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, it's tested in the trial, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. I love that. So let it grow. Don't be defined. Don't be defeated. But take it as an opportunity. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The trial is an opportunity to produce a firm conviction and belief within us. And I love this quote, which I'm going to finish on tonight before I hand on to Ben. It's, um, no one knows who wrote it, but I think it's awesome. It says this, it says, The same boiling water that softens the potato hardens the egg. It's about what you're made of, not the circumstance. How amazing is that? What are we made of tonight? What is our conviction tonight? Amazing. Thank you, Liv. So good. Well, I'm excited to finish off the message. And uh, uh, you wouldn't know it, but that's the third message Liv's preached this weekend. So and she makes it seem so easy, um, but it's not really. Um, so Liv's amazing. And also I want to honor Pastor Hartley and Nat for the opportunity and happy birthday. Yes. Um, hey, but I want to speak about the same kind of thing, uh, the trials that we go through. And I think this is a cool uh, thing to talk about because we do go through trials almost every day. You know, we face a level of uh, dif- difficulty or there's something that we face probably every day of our lives. And, uh, you know, as, as Liv said, there's, there's short-term trials 
But then sometimes in our life, there's long-term trials. And I want to speak into that tonight. What do you do in those long-term trials where it's not just a one-day thing, but you've got to face it maybe for a year, maybe for two years, maybe for three years, and maybe it's something completely out of your control. You know, like sometimes maybe it's a family situation or health or something like that where it's so out of your control, but you have to deal with it and you have to learn what it is to live with these problems. And I want to speak out of Philippians 1. Let me read this scripture, Philippians 1 verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Come on, what a scripture. That what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You know, I think it's one thing to look back on a trial in your life and say, oh, I see how God used that moment in my life to build something in me and to develop something in me. But, but it's a whole nother thing to be in the middle of a trial and recognize in that trial that God is using it in the, in the moment. And, and this is Paul, right? And he's writing from a prison. He, he, he's, not, he's not writing looking back about the time he was in prison. He's, he's writing from a prison. And he's saying, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's, he's actually saying, what is happening to me right now is serving to advance the gospel. And I, I want to progress to Paul, that I can be going through something, but recognize that Christ is in the middle of it. Uh, you know, when, when I was... Uh, younger, I started learning how to play guitar, and uh, I had uh, when I was in year seven, and I had this guitar. It had steel guitar strings, and uh, you know when you first start playing a guitar with steel guitar strings, you'll find you know I've got little soft fingers when I was in year seven, and and I would play this guitar, and I could only play for about half an hour because the steel strings against my fingers, it wasn't a good combo, and so my fingers would get sore. But then over time. What happened is I developed a strength in my fingers so that I could play the guitar with the steel strings. The, the problem didn't change. The, the, the guitar strings were still steel. But I learned what it was to develop the strength. And I think that's what it's like in our life when we have problems that maybe remain for a long time. We develop the strength to live with problems but in victory. We live with problems but in victory. And that's where God wants us to be in trials, that we can have a trial, but be living in victory. Come on, we, we can be in chains, but actually free on the inside. We, we can be bound up by something, but on the inside, we have the freedom from Christ. So what do you do? What do you do when you're in a trial and it's going for a long period of time? What do you do? And I, I just love this scripture, and I hope that as I talk about it tonight, as we talk about Paul in the prison, we'll learn what it is to live with problems, but in victory. Philippians 1 verse 13, it goes on, and he's writing, still from the prison. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. That I'm in chains for Christ. I'm not in chains because you put me in chains. I, I'm not in chains because the guard put me in here. No, the reason I'm in chains is actually for Christ. Isn't that an amazing perspective that he has? I, I'm not going to blame everybody else for the situation I'm in right now, but I see it from a different perspective that I'm in chains for Christ. And then it goes on, Philippians 1 verse 14, And because of my chains, 
most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Isn't that a cool scripture? And because of my chains, not, not in spite of my chains, come on, not, not without my chains, but because of my chains, I've managed to cause confidence in Christ in other people. Isn't that a powerful scripture? You know, I find when people talk about their, their problems, when they talk about their situations, they talk about it in two different ways. The first one, and they say, because of my chains, I'm limited. Because of my chains, I haven't been able to do this. I haven't been able to achieve what I want in life. I, ha- I haven't been able to do all, all my dreams and desires. And because of my chains, but, you know, God's good. And it's like they're, they're focused far more on the chains than on the chain breaker. They focus far more on, on what they're bound by than what God has done. But, th- but then there's a, another type of way that people talk about their chains. And they say, and because of my chains, God has done amazing things. And instead of focusing on the chains, they're focusing on God. And it, and it brings glory back to God. How do you talk about your chains? Because of my chains, I've caused confidence in other people. Let me keep reading this scripture. We're doing a bit of a Bible study here tonight. Philippians 1 verse 21. For, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Come on, this is Paul at the end of his life. Come on, he's, he's the, the final letter of Paul. He's writing. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. He, he's talking about dying or, or staying on earth. And it's, and it's like he's talking about it so casually. Like, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Come on, in heaven. But it is more necessary for you, for you, that I remain in the body. And it goes on. It says this, convinced of this. Come on, that's the, the, the message tonight. Convinced of this. I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And I want to talk about two questions for you tonight from that little convinced section. What are you convinced of in times of trial? What what are you convinced of in times of trial? I, I find that the natural thing to do when you're in a time of trial is to focus on yourself. Have you found you, you, found you do that? You know, when you're going through something hard, you, you, f- you forget about everybody else and it becomes all about you. And I love Paul because he's, he's writing from the prison cell and he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the face so that through my being with you, Again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. What are you convinced of in times of trials? Paul, it wasn't even about Paul in the times of trials. He's in a prison cell and he's thinking about other people. He's, he's, he's experiencing probably the hardest trial, something that we will never even have to face. But man, he's thinking about other people. I never want to get so insular in my trials that I stop thinking about other people. What are you convinced of in times of trial? And my next point is actually inspired by Pastor Hartley's offering message last week. And he said something like, um, I'm not going to let the circumstance dictate the way I live life. I'm not going to let what I'm experiencing change the way I live. And I want to ask you this question. Are you just as convinced 
as you were before the trial happened? Are you just as convinced? Or have you let your conviction waver? Are you just as convinced about what you say? Are you just as convinced about the way you do life? Are you just as convinced about honouring others? Are you just as convinced about putting God first? Are you just as convinced as you were before you experienced the trial? Isn't that a great question? Because, you know, often when we go through a trial, you know, we, we easily waver in our convictions. And we believe, we said we believe this, but man, the, the trial really tests it. We, we said that we wanted to speak positive, but then the trial really tests it. And here's the deal, I, I, I feel like I wanna progress to Paul, where I can live with problems, but in victory. That I can be chained up, but free on the inside. That I can be experiencing a trial that seems to keep going on, but living in victory as the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, living in triumph, living in victory. You don't have to live in defeat just because you're experiencing a trial. And I, I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, I'm preaching this, you know, live with problems, but in victory. But in my life, I feel like it's mostly the opposite. You know, when I go through a trial, I, I don't feel like I live in victory all the time. I feel like it gets me down. You know, um, me and Liv, we, we face a certain trial together and quite, for quite a few years. And, um, you know, I felt like all the time this thing kept coming up and it would get me down. And I feel like a bit defeated on the inside. And, uh, and I was like, man, how do I progress to Paul? Where I've got this problem, but I can still live in victory. How do I progress to Paul? And I, I saw this scripture in the Bible. And Paul is, again, in, in, in Corinthians, and he's talking to God. And he's like, God, I've got this problem in my life, and it won't go away. And the Bible says, I pleaded three times that God would take it away. And God basically said no. And this is what he said. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. So, so how do you live with problems but in victory? It's actually not in your own strength, but it's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. Come on, it's by grace that we can live with problems but in victory. It's by grace that we can be in a prison, but be filled with praise. It's by grace. You know, when I think of grace, I actually think of Popeye. You guys know Popeye? And uh, you know, Popeye, when he would come up against a situation, he was powerless to do anything about it. But when he took the spinach, you know, he had the spinach cans, and when he took the spinach, suddenly this enabling power empowered him to beat the enemy. And that's what grace is. You can't do it on your own. You can't face problems but live in victory on your own. But grace is the enabling power of God. And it will enable you to live in victory. It will enable you to triumph over everything that you face. And you can be experiencing it right now, but have a freedom on the inside, have a joy on the inside, have a praise on the inside. So then the next question I have, because I asked the question, how, how, how do I live with problems but in victory by grace? So then the next question I have is, how do I receive grace? How do I receive the enabling power of God? The Bible says this, 
God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Humility is acknowledging your need for God. That's what it is. It's acknowledging your need for God. And I want you to recognize that there is actually no barrier between you and God. Do you know that? There's, there's no mistake you make. Your past isn't a barrier to God. You know, your upbringing isn't a barrier to God. What you've done isn't a barrier to God. But there is one barrier to God, and it's pride. Pride is the only thing that will separate you from God. It's the only thing. Your, your mistakes won't. And that's why we need to be humble before God, that we can receive His grace. And, uh, you know, uh, earlier, uh, a few years ago, actually, uh, and we're at Presence Conference. And uh, I was staying in this apartment with someone. And uh, in this apartment, uh, you know, we're, we're staying in the city, not at home. And uh, I saw this package on the table. And I was like, it, it, it kind of looked like clothes. You know, like, a, you know how when clothes come from Iconic or something, they come in a certain type of package. And I'm like, why would he order clothes from Iconic when you're staying in the city for only a few days? Like, can't you just wait till you get home? You've got a serious problem. And, uh, and so I was like, man, this is a bit weird. And uh, so the first thing I thought was like, it's not for me. That's just weird. And then the, the guy, he, he comes up and he gives me this package. He's like, oh, I think this package is for you. And I'm like, oh, this is a bit weird. And so I, I open it up and inside is this really nice pair of shoes. And it's like, uh, I think the shoes were like $200. And Liv had bought me a pair of shoes and delivered it to the apartment that I was in for only a few days. And, uh, and my second thought was, man, I don't deserve this. Like, I haven't seen Liv for days. I've been, you know, I've been at Presence Conference. I've been leading the youth. And I, you know, I've been doing stuff. I haven't seen you for days. I like, mean, I don't deserve it. And then the third thing I thought was like, man, I have to repay it. I have to repay it. I'm going to take her out for a really nice dinner or something. I have to repay it. And I think we think those things are kind of barriers to God. You know, the first thing I did is I, I walked past the package because I thought it wasn't for me. And we do that with God. We think it's a barrier. Oh, thinking it's not for me. But the Bible says this, For God so loved the world that whoever, whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. What does whoever mean? It means whoever. It means there's no limits, no bounds. doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, whoever. Thinking it's not for us. Grace is for everybody. The second thing I thought was, man, I don't deserve it. I haven't seen live all week. And maybe we think that's a barrier between us and God. You know, we think, oh, I don't deserve it. God, you don't know what I've done. God, God, you don't know my mistakes. Come on, you don't know where I've been. But the, the Bible says this, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So we think we don't deserve it, but we really do. Come on. God's grace is for us. The third blockage maybe is that we think we have to repay it. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ died on a cross for us to pay the price for our sins, to pay the price for our mistakes. And maybe we think, man, I've got to repay it. I've, I've got to repay it. But grace is a gift. Grace is a free gift. You can't earn it. Nothing you do can pay for it. It's a gift from God. All you need to do is receive it. And that's why pride is the only blockage between you and God. Because it's up to you receiving it. It's a free gift, but you've got to accept it. You've got to invite it. 